Welcome to Tomorrow's World, where we tackle the truly important questions facing our world and ourselves. Former Soviet Union leader Mikhail Gorbachev caught the attention of major newspapers around the world in an op-ed piece for Time magazine. Gorbachev is a student of history, and all evidence indicates he is a man who would rather have peace than war. Presidents Gorbachev and Ronald Reagan bought time for the world when they agreed to ratchet down nuclear stockpiles. Mr. Gorbachev will go down in history as the one who tore down the Berlin Wall, setting free millions of oppressed people from a failed Marxist system. And this opened the way for the reunification of Germany. So when he wrote, it all looks as if the world is preparing for war, people took notice. He further wrote in his January 2017 editorial, the world today is overwhelmed with problems. Policymakers seem to be confused and at a loss. Indeed, the world is confused and at a loss. He named the escalating inventory of modern weapons a danger to the world. More troops, tanks, and armored personnel carriers are being brought to Europe. NATO and Russian forces and weapons that used to be deployed at a distance are now placed closer to each other, as if to shoot point blank. But the big problem is not Europe, although it is destined to play a vital role in the future. The real problem is found in the Middle East and specifically in the city of Jerusalem. What's in store for this city? That's the focus of today's Tomorrow's World telecast. There is an answer, it is known, and it will affect your life and your world. On this program, I'll show you what to expect, and I'll be offering you a free publication that documents in advance what will happen in that part of the world and how it will affect you. This publication, The Middle East in Prophecy, is yours free for the asking. So be sure to have writing material ready so that you can take down the phone number to order your free copy. And I'll be right back to show you what to expect for the city of peace where there is no peace. So don't go away. Welcome once again to Tomorrow's World, and I especially welcome all of you who are tuning in for the first time. I'm pleased you've joined us today, and I'm pleased to offer you our free publication, The Middle East in Prophecy. Our world is in trouble. As former Soviet President and Nobel Peace Prize recipient Mikhail Gorbachev wrote, Politicians and military leaders sound increasingly belligerent and defense doctrines more dangerous. Commentators and TV personalities are joining the bellicose chorus. It all looks as if the world is preparing for war. Nowhere is the specter of war more probable than in the volatile Middle East. When nations were smaller, when transportation was on two legs or four legs, when wind-powered ships and aircraft didn't exist, confused policymakers could only do so much damage that's all changed. High-speed communication and transportation connect us, but peace eludes us. 
We've built incredibly destructive technologies. Nuclear weapons, smart bombs, and chemical and biological weapons with missiles, unmanned planes, and drone ships. It's a dangerous place when policymakers in this kind of world are, as Mr. Gorbachev says, confused and at a loss. Conflicts that start small in one part of the world can quickly spread to all parts of the world. In effect, no place is safe. The tiny nation of Israel and its chief city, Jerusalem, are at the core of many Middle Eastern problems. Tension in the region is a result of several factors. The Middle East is rich in oil, and ever since the invention of the automobile, the world literally runs on oil. Five of the world's top 10 oil reserve countries just happen to be in the Middle East, but none of them being the Jewish state. Combatants in World Wars I and II fought for control of Middle Eastern oil, and struggles for control of this valuable natural resource continue to this day. Religion is another factor creating instability in the region. Judaism is the oldest of three major religions found there. Christianity came along in the first century AD with Islam powerfully emerging in the seventh century. One cause of tension in the region that is often overlooked here in the West is a familial background which has resulted in strife between these nations dating back to ancient times. The beginning of these problems can be found in the book known as the Bible. There we read of a man named Abram, later called Abraham. His wife seemingly could not have children, and one day came up with an idea that appeared good at the time, but it had a far greater impact than anyone could ever imagine. We read of it in Genesis, the 16th chapter. So Sarai said to Abram, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please, go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. Abram listened to his wife. A child was born, and they named him Ishmael. A divine messenger informed the couple that he and his descendants would be difficult to get along with. Here it is in Genesis 16 and verse 12. He shall be a wild man. His hand shall be against every man, and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. Does this prediction given thousands of years ago not accurately describe what we see in the Middle East today? Factions fighting factions? God later gave Abram a second son, but this time by his wife Sarah. And he was named Isaac. Trouble between the two mothers and the two sons escalated and brought about a geographical separation, but it was only for a short time. Their descendants have been in conflict ever since. Their descendants make up part of today's Middle East, but this is not the whole picture. The plot thickens when Abraham's son Isaac grew up and married a woman named Rebekah. A conflict began even before she gave birth, as twin sons wrestled in her womb. We read in Genesis 25 and verse 22, But the children struggled together within her, and she said, If all is well, why am I this way? She sought an answer to this unusual pre-birth behavior, 
and received the following divine answer. Two nations are in your womb. Two people shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. The firstborn was Esau, the second Jacob. Love was not expressed equally in the family. Isaac loved Esau more than Jacob, and Jacob was the favorite of his mother Rebekah. This set up dynamics with long-lasting consequences. Jacob grew up as a crafty man, and on the urging of his mother, he tricked his father into conferring upon him blessings that were prophesied of good land and abundant wealth. This obviously did not set well with Esau. So we find the Arab nations of the Middle East, descendants of Ishmael and Esau, at odds with Israel, part of the descendants of Isaac and his son Jacob. Family squabbles, oil, and religion all come together for a toxic mix. Any war that takes place in the Middle East can easily spill over to other nations. Can Jerusalem and the nation of Israel survive such hostile conditions? To help you discover what the Bible predicts for the future of the Middle East, and Jerusalem specifically, we have a remarkable booklet bringing these prophecies together. This publication, The Middle East in Prophecy, gives far more detail than I have time to cover on such a short program. The Middle East in Prophecy can be yours free for the asking. All you have to do is pick up the phone and call the number shown on your screen or you can order, read, or download a copy from our website. I'll be back in 30 seconds to give you four predictions straight from the pages of the Bible. So stay with us to learn what is prophesied for Jerusalem, the Middle East, and the world as a whole. Let me tell you how you can get your free copy of The Middle East in Prophecy. Simply dial the number on your screen. You can also order at TWCanada.org. We're happy to send this to you at no cost because we believe this information to be invaluable. The Middle East is vital to Bible prophecy. You need to know how events half a world away will affect you. Don't wait. We have operators ready to take your call. Or you can order online. If you missed our contact information, don't worry. I'll be back to give it again. Before the break, I told you I would read from the Bible what is predicted for Jerusalem and the Middle East. So let's get started. Bible prediction number one, Jerusalem will be a troublesome stone. The book of Zechariah contains prophecies written around 520 B.C. That's more than 2,500 years ago. It's evident that some of Zechariah's prophecies were recorded for a time long into the future. It speaks of a time of trouble for Jerusalem and for those nations surrounding it. Notice the accuracy of this prophecy. You can see its fulfillment in your evening news. Zechariah, the 12th chapter, verses 2 and 3. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of drunkenness to all the surrounding peoples when they lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem. And it shall happen in that day that I will make Jerusalem a very heavy stone for all peoples. All who would heave it away will surely be cut in pieces, though all the nations of the earth are gathered against it. Is this not what we see today? Jerusalem and the Jews, a troublesome stone in the Middle East? 
and everyone who meddles with it gets cut to pieces. We also see here that the Jews will be hated by many nations. But can we know that the prophecy is meant for today? Yes, we can. Notice an important detail that must not be overlooked. The prophecy is for Jerusalem and the Jews. It says, when they lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem. Judah was the name of one of the twelve tribes of Israel and refers to the people we know of as Jews. So the prophecy requires Jerusalem to be controlled by the Jews. And here's where we come to an interesting detail. History tells us that the Jews did not control Jerusalem from 135 A.D. until after the Six-Day War in 1967, meaning this prophecy could not have been fulfilled during that time period. Notice that when the Jews find themselves in trouble from these surrounding nations, that help will come from a long-awaited source. Zechariah, the twelfth chapter, and verses 9 and 10. It shall be in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. Then they will look on me whom they pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son, and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. This is a clear reference to the Messiah. But notice that it says, on me whom they pierced. In other words, this is talking about a physical intervention from the one whom they crucified in 31 A.D. This must happen after Jesus' first coming. There's no doubt that the Jews were surrounded and persecuted from 31 to 135 A.D., but history shows that there was no return of the Messiah to save them during that time. Therefore, either the prophecy is inaccurate, or the only time for its fulfillment is our day today. Now we come to a second Bible prediction. Bible prediction number two. All nations will be against the Jews and Jerusalem. As we read in Zechariah the twelfth chapter, all the surrounding peoples will lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem, and all nations of the earth are gathered against it. All one has to do is look at the debates in the United Nations to understand that other than the United States, Britain, and a very few other countries, all nations are against the Jewish state. The hostility is really quite remarkable and unexplainable from any rational point of view. Zechariah repeats this prediction in chapter 14. Notice first that the time setting is the day of the Lord a time that Bible students understand as a time at the end of great conflict that culminates with the return of Christ. As it tells us in verse 1, Behold, the day of the Lord is coming. And what does Zechariah tell us are the conditions at that time? For I will gather all the nations to battle against Jerusalem. So we see that Zechariah predicted that there would be Jews controlling Jerusalem, that their capital city of Jerusalem would be a troublesome spot in the world, and that all nations would be against them. And as we have seen, this could not refer to any time prior to the middle of the 20th century and onward. These first two predictions culminate in something ominous that will shake the whole world. Bible prediction number three. Jerusalem will be the focus of the greatest battle ever fought. The term Armageddon is thrown about in both religious and secular sources. It's the stuff movies are made of, the end of the world. 
but there is much misunderstanding, even among the religious. Armageddon does not mean the end of life on planet earth, but it is no small matter. Jesus of Nazareth made this chilling prediction in what is called the Olivet Prophecy. Here it is in Matthew, the 24th chapter, and verses 21 and 22. For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. Yes, humanly incited cosmicide is a real possibility. In fact, according to this passage, it will happen, unless something extraordinary stops it. But before we get to that, notice that great armies will be drawn together to destroy the tiny Jewish state. The mysterious book of Revelation tells us massive armies from east of the Euphrates will assemble on the large plain near the hill of Megiddo, more commonly called Armageddon. Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up, so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. And they gathered them together to the place called in Hebrew Armageddon. So the armies gather at Megiddo, but the actual battle will take place around and in the valley of Jehoshaphat on the east of Jerusalem. This brings us to our fourth prediction, which answers the key question for today's program. Can Jerusalem survive? We'll answer that in a moment, but I want to remind you of today's free offer, The Middle East in Prophecy. What happens in that part of the world will eventually spill over to all the world, as we shall see in a few minutes. Don't think that it will not affect you. It will. That's why you need our publication, the Middle East in Prophecy. There's no cost. You have nothing to lose and everything to gain. So order your copy today. If you would like to know what is ahead for the Middle East, call the number on your screen and ask for the Middle East in Prophecy or order online at TWCanada.org. Have you ever asked, where is the world headed? What does the future hold for me? Or if morality even matters anymore? Tomorrow's World answers these questions and more, and will also be sent to you free of charge. Call us right now or visit us online to get your free copy of The Middle East in Prophecy and Tomorrow's World magazine. Enjoy the rest of today's program. So far we've seen three predictions for the future of the Middle East, specifically regarding the Jews in Jerusalem. The first two predictions are playing out in our world and can be seen on our nightly news. Bible prediction number one, Jerusalem will be a troublesome stone. Prediction number two, all nations will be against the Jews and Jerusalem. These predictions will culminate in Bible prediction number three, Jerusalem will be the focus of the greatest battle ever fought. Now we must answer the question, can Jerusalem survive this coming conflict? As we read from the book of Matthew, human annihilation is possible, but will be stopped by intervention from a source man has generally rejected. Bible prediction number four, Jesus Christ will return to save mankind from annihilation. We read earlier from Zechariah 14, 
But let's notice it again so that we have the context, beginning in verse 1. Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, for I will gather all the nations to battle against Jerusalem. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as He fights in the day of battle. And in that day His feet will stand on the Mount of Olives. Christ returns to fight against those nations, which have gathered to fight against Jerusalem. Jerusalem will survive, and the world will come to know its Savior. When this happens, He will declare Himself King over all the earth. This explains why so many nations send their armies to fight the Jewish state. It's not only to fight the Jews, but also to fight and destroy the one who saves the Jews. The Messiah, the returning Jesus Christ, will appear to most of mankind to be the Antichrist. The European beast power, along with the great false prophet and Satan himself, will influence the nations of the world to fight for control of the earth. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. As it tells us in Revelation 17, verse 14, those who follow the beast and the false prophet who are inspired by Satan the devil will be so deceived they will actually fight the returning Christ. These will make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them, for He is Lord of lords and King of kings. It will not be an equal fight. All the armies of the earth are no match. Zechariah describes the weaponry the returning King of kings will use against rebellious mankind. Here it is in chapter 14 and verse 12. And this shall be the plague with which the Lord will strike all the people who fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh shall dissolve while they stand on their feet. Their eyes shall dissolve in their sockets, and their tongues shall dissolve in their mouths. This was the inspiration for one of the scenes in the fictitious Raiders of the Lost Ark movie. As terrible as this description is, the result of this final battle between rebellious mankind and His Creator will be peace. Isaiah describes this wonderful time in these beautiful words. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains, and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow to it. Many people shall come and say, Come! And let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us His ways, and we shall walk in His paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations, and rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. Dear friends, these prophecies are for real. The trouble you see in the Middle East and Jerusalem were predicted long ago. None of man's efforts will bring peace to this conflicted corner of the world. But when we come to the place of total destruction, a loving God will intervene. 
He will defeat his enemies, and peace will be the result. Jerusalem will then become what it is not now, the city of peace. To learn more about the Middle East, Jerusalem, and what this region means for the world, be sure to order your copy of The Middle East in Prophecy. And stay tuned after the program for Tomorrow's World Answers, where we will answer your questions straight from the Bible. And be sure to come back next week when Stuart Wahovich, Michael Haycoop, and I will bring you more of today's news in the light of end-time prophecies. Until next time, may the peace and truth of Almighty God and Jesus Christ be with you. To learn more about today's topic, visit www.twcanada.org. You can also order by calling us at 1-866-784-7895 or by writing to us at Tomorrow's World, PO Box 409, Mississauga, Ontario, L5M0P6. You will also receive a free subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine, revealing God's principles for living an abundant and happy life while providing insight into current and future events. Welcome to Tomorrow's World Answers, where we answer your questions straight from the Bible. You have likely heard the expression, the Lord's Day, or the Day of the Lord. In many cases, the speaker will infer this is referring to Sunday as a day of religious worship. However, this assumption is not in any way supported by the Scripture. What is the Bible referring to when it uses the phrase, the Day of the Lord? Similar phrases refer to the Lord's Day or in that day. All of these expressions refer not to a day of the week, but rather to a future time of God's intervention on the earth at the end of the age. Let's note some examples. Revelation 1 verse 10. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet. Here the context of the writing is a vision that the Apostle John was receiving about the end of the age. Indeed, the whole book of Revelation is on the topic of God's coming involvement on earth. John was projected to that time called the Lord's Day in a vision. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 2 reads, For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. Here, a similar phrase, the day of the Lord, is used in what is clearly a reference to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Peter also uses the same phrase in the same context in 2 Peter 3 verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat, both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Peter is using the phrase, the day of the Lord, to refer not only to the coming return and intervention of Jesus, but the period after the thousand years of his reign on the earth, right up until the final judgment, occurring many years after his second coming. There are many other scriptures referring to the day of the Lord or in that day. All of them refer to the glorious return of Jesus Christ and his intervention in world affairs. Not one of the expressions, including the Lord's Day, refers to a day of the week. 
To submit a question for the show, email us at twanswers at tomorrowsworld.org. Be sure to watch us online at twcanada.org or by searching Tomorrow's World Answers on YouTube. At our website, you can also watch this and many more Tomorrow's World programs. Call 1-866-784-7895. Write or visit us online today. This program is a production of The Living Church of God.